Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Well, hello everybody and welcome along to a brand new service from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. This is IMSA Radio, starting off our season at the Daytona International Speedway for round one of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, also the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge and some support racing as well. And it's all live here on IMSA Radio. Hello there, I'm John Hindoff, slightly overcast today. A threat of some rain tomorrow, but we've been told it should be pretty dry today and we're ready to get the 2015 American sports car endurance season underway. First up on the track with the cars coming into the pit lane right opposite our booth, giving us a great view of the whole of the Daytona International Speedway. It will be the Tudor United Sports Car Championship free practice number one. The Tudor United Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. It's John Hindoff with Jeremy Shaw and Greg Kramer getting ready for this brand new season of sports car racing. Uh, gentlemen, first of all, great to have your company. Greg Kramer was with us uh, yesterday evening on Midweek Motorsport. Jeremy Shaw we haven't heard from uh, yet this week. Jeremy, welcome back to Daytona. Great to be back, John. It's, uh, there's so much atmosphere and history around this Daytona International Speedway. It is wonderful to be back here. and I'm super excited about this weekend. I think we've got a great field of cars for, for all of the series. And uh, the, uh, I, was just, I was here for the raw test a couple of weeks ago, and it was tremendous to me to see how closely matched the field was. Uh, in the prototype ranks, the top six cars were covered by three-tenths of a second. And uh, if that, if, if, not just that, but... Amongst those top six, there were five different chassis manufacturers and four different engines. So I just I think they've got the parity really, really close. Now there was a, the, the talk of the weekend was sandbagging and people aren't showing their <laughs> full hand. Well, that that's as may be, but still to have that many cars and that much variety of cars it, within such a, t- a short time frame was bodes, I believe, really, really well. And it's the same in the other classes as well. This is going to be a really fun weekend, John. It's a heck of a way, Greg, to start off a championship season for for any series because quite simply of course you're starting off effectively with the world cup final the super bowl you know it, it is the biggest race of the uh, the biggest race of the year and you're asking people to perform at the very very highest level immediately immense amount of pressure 
Absolutely, to start off. And let's not forget that there are bonus points, uh, and there are more bonus points for this one because it's the lone 24-hour race than any other race. So if you have a problem with this one, um, you're going to really start in a hole. And obviously this is a, a huge event. Like you said, it's like starting off with a Super Bowl. And uh, the good news is is they got the, uh, the uh, first season of the merger behind them. They've made lots of adjustments in the offseason in, in a wide variety of ways. And uh, Jeremy was... Uh, was talking about just how close things were in roar testing and one of the very pleasant surprises is if you recall last year the dp based prototypes had a distinct advantage over the p2 cars here at daytona just because of the power and torque they had uh, not running the diffuser package Uh, they just were downright faster Jeremy, that's not what we saw at the Roar. Those P2, the new Ligiers, the new uh, HPDs that the uh, Extreme Speed Motorsports, now Tequila Patron ESM, are running, were right in the mix. It was incredibly close. In the end, it was uh, the Taylors that set the fastest time of the session, but uh, it was awfully close. Yeah, by, by a Nat's whisker. And, <laughs> and you're right. You know, I mean, they, 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 they juggled with the, uh, the uh, balance of performance or the... Uh, uh, what's the AOP. AOP, what's adjustment, the, of adjustment of performance. Yep. Adjustment Thank you. <laughs> Uh, too early for me in the morning. Um, through the season last year, and I think what they came up with towards the end of the year was it was a lot more equitable than how they started the year. So that is the form which, with which we're coming here to Daytona for the first race of the season. And you know, yes, the P2 cars and the DP cars do make their speed in different ways, but they're a lot closer in how they make their speed this yes. year than they were last year. So I think that is going to be a much better race between those two different concepts of cars, John. But- I think we kind of need to put all that behind us because one of the reasons that we all love sports car racing is the diversity, oh, is the variety. And what, you know, what we absolutely don't want is differing uh, balance of performance, adjustment of performance after every race. There are cars that will be better at one track than another. It has always been thus. Indeed, and, 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 but, but, but you know, because the concepts were so different last year, they kind of had to go through that process. So I hear exactly what you're saying, and I completely, 100% agree with you. And, and that's why I'm so excited now yeah. that what they appear to have seems to be really quite equitable. Exactly. They made a few very minor adjustments, I mean, super, super minor, between the raw and here, uh, because the teams were worried that there's going to be bigger changes. Uh, that might be made for this test. But, you know, we'll see. The proof is in the pudding, of course. But, uh, you know, f- f- compared to last year, the P2 cars have a bit more horsepower because, uh, because they've been allowed to either open up the restrictors or whatever it is. But they're also carrying a little bit more weight. So they are more similar to the DP cars in how they make their speed than before. And that's why I'm so excited for what lays in front of us this weekend and for the it, whole season. More than 20 cars, guys, yeah. already in the fast lane, heading out <laughs> towards the turn from the tri-oval banking into the infield in front of us uh, it seems that everyone feels like we do I mean we've been lucky we've had a bit of 24-hour racing already in Dubai but this effectively officially now is the end of the winter and Greg everybody wants to get started well you know they had a lot of track time at the roar but here now you're back into a race event a race meeting type of schedule so you've got a lot of different series running here that also have track time so now it's urgent now you need to be out there you need to get after it of course that night session coming up tonight is going to be absolutely key and I think you're right everybody has the bit in their mouth and they are ready to get going uh, getting back to one of the things you were talking about Jeremy that uh, that sandbagging the the imps officials this year have in, in 
instituted a pretty stringent approach to that because they said if you show up after the roar at this race and suddenly your performance is significantly better, they're going to slap you with some serious penalties. They said you better show your hand, and if you don't, you better not show it in the race. So they're really trying to limit the sandbagging so they can. And the only way you can really get a true, you know, and accurate and level AOP, if you will, is if people really show what they have, let's get it mixed and get it done. And the other thing that I thought was great last year was where the P2-derived prototypes were falling down a little bit. Uh, on, on an open track, they were very, very quick. But horsepower is your friend in traffic. Once you lose the momentum, when you're a momentum car that that is all about rolling into the corner with high speed, which a P2 car does, once you lose that momentum you're just you're dead compared to a car with more torque and horsepower. So when they made that change late in the season, raised the weight of the P2 a little mm-hmm. bit, but gave them more power like you said, now it's a, it, that just leveled things out, made them a lot racier than just outright fast on a clear track. That's I think that's going to be huge. I, I completely agree. And, and you know, you talked there about you know the uh, the IMS officials telling the teams, look, if if we catch you sandbagging, you know, we are going to throw the book at you and mm-hmm. every everyone I spoke to all the, pretty much all the teams that are along pit lane and they all they all referenced that, that factor and said, look, we're not sandbagging. We're going as fast as we can. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the IMSA officials, they can look at all the data from all the cars anytime they like. So, you know, they are taking it very, very seriously. And with the new technical regime, well, the, the technical regime at, at IMSA, uh, headed now uh, by, well, Jeff Carter is going to be coming on board to help out mm. with uh, Simon Hodgson and the whole rest of the, uh, that organization. They've got a really good group of people there yes. who are very well respected and they know what they're doing. They've been involved with teams in the past, so they know how everything works. And so, you know, they're going to keep on top of that. And I agree. It's, a, it's all, all good steps forward. Uh, you're listening to Jeremy Shaw, Greg Kramer and John Heindorf. It's IMSA Radio for 2015. And we are just a few moments away from watching the red lights go out, the green flag Wave. There's yellow flags actually over the starter stand, which I can see uh, down in front of me slightly to my left. And now about 25 cars uh, lined up ready to go racing. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at IMSA Racing on Twitter. It's the easiest way uh, to get in touch. And we welcome the uh, big sports car family from around the world. Full coverage of everything that's on track today, including the Ferrari Challenge. Uh, we've got uh, the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Uh, they have qualifying as well as uh, some final practice today. And then, of course, uh, this night practice tonight, which I'm thoroughly looking forward to. Night racing here is always a great thing to watch, or night practice, even night running, anything out there <laughs> in, the, in the darkness. There's something, I think, quite sexy about it. If you're on your way to the track and uh, listening in your hotel room uh, already, don't forget to bring an FM radio. It's 106.5 and scanner frequency 454. Thanks to our technical partners at Racing Radios for getting us back on the, uh, the scanner frequency. I feel all nostalgic, Greg. I, I really know. do. It's nice. It's uh, the bands back together. That's how they've been playing it. And uh, it's not just... Uh those of us that are yapping, it's everybody that uh, was all part of it, have really, really done a great job of, uh, of putting this program together, and we're looking forward to uh, a fascinating season. And you're right. By the way, that uh, when that yellow flag posts, for those of you who may not be aware of it, uh, that's the five-minute signal to the start of the session. They always put the yellow flag up at start five minutes before the actual session start uh, so that everybody can see that up and down pit lane. So uh, that's something we're always looking forward to, and I hear the engine's really starting yeah. to uh, come to life now so there we go green flag john track is open 
2015 Tudor United Sports Car Championship season is underway. Yeah, and the IMSA name back at uh, Daytona again for this United Sports Car Championship for 2015 and the cars are already rolling out right what are we going to say Greg who's your money on in the early sessions and, and does it actually make a blind bit of difference at this stage you know you guys you and Jeremy have been down in the pits you've been mingling both at the Raw and this week have people got a if you like a schedule of work to get through before we get into qualifying before we get into the race or are we going to see people putting down markers in terms of, of performance i don't think we're going to see too much of that particularly in this session you know it's always a nice psychological boost to be on top of the chart but there's so much other stuff that you're looking at when you think about the big picture where you start this race really isn't that important because you've got 24 hours to make everything happen so everybody to a team i think jeremy is going to really be focusing on their race setup working on different conditions and keep in mind when you run from the afternoon through the night, back through the morning and everything, every session is going to give you information. Now, the forecast is for it to be about 10 degrees at least colder day and night come Saturday, Sunday. So there's a lot of extrapolating of data you have to do. But I think they're, uh, they're going to be going after uh, just basically working on that race setup. And a car that we haven't talked about that has shown some awfully impressive speed at the roar, we'll see how it works here, is the Delta Wing. Uh, they're pretty soon they're going to have to start applying some pretty stringent rules to that car because they are finding speed in the hands of Tim Keen. Yeah, they, it's, a, it's a fascinating program. You know, when, it, when it first came out, the Delta Wing, I wasn't necessarily a fan. I know John, John Hindoff wasn't really either, and we've, we've both had our sort of opinions on that. And uh, Would I want to see a whole grid of those cars? No, I absolutely wouldn't. But uh, what are we doing here? We're racing prototype cars. That is a prototype car. They're developing it all along. <laughs> it's the I ultimate iteration of a prototype, isn't it? Yeah. It's a one-off. And it's it, brilliant. The, the only issue that I have, have ever had is that it sits outside the regulations. And if you're sitting outside the regulations, you can't race. You can test, you can develop, but you can't race. At some stage, it's got to be brought within the regulations. Right. Now, what IMSA did was they brought it inside the regulations. And they said, you are now part of the prototype class. That's not how it started, that when it was the Nissan Delta Wing, it was a purely experimental vehicle. It's now been developed into a race car, and in fairness, most of the original tenets of the car have been thrown away mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. less, less power, uh, less fuel, less tyres, no, less no. wing. It's completely been thrown away and redesigned as a new car. It's not the Garage 56 car as was. It's a brand new racing car. Yeah, it's very, very close. It's still basically half the weight and half the horsepower and half yeah the but you've got else. wings on the front now yeah. you've got yeah. a bigger Absolutely. engine but it, it's still it's the same thing the, the, the whole concept of the car is that as it's been developed though is to do it more efficiently you know, use less fuel and, and change tires less often and, and all that sort of those sort of concepts are still there uh, and, and it is kind of cool I mean every engineer on the pit lane would love to be working on that side of a sort of a car because they're out there just trying to make the car go faster uh, you know, however they want to work at it, which is which is pretty cool, um, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a step in whatever direction you want to go, <laughs> but it is kind of cool, and and w- that's one of the cars here. By the way, th- this weekend it's got a completely different color scheme yeah. than it had here at uh, the Raw Test. We've uh, got got the you know, new, new sponsorship from. Uh, 
from Carl Slim's companies in Mexico. Memo Rojas, of course, joining that team. He will drive with Catherine Legg all the way through the season. And that's going to be a good combination. I mean, Memo's got a huge amount of experience. He won this race three times, a three-time champion in sports cars. So um, it's going to be a, a very interesting to see how that car develops. And, and if we're talking about straight-line speed a little bit. You, you mentioned a little while ago, Greg, and I think that was just about the quickest car on the straightaways here at the test. So it's, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how that car performs in relation to the other prototypes out there. If there was ever a track that plays to the strengths of the, yeah. del- of the Delta Wing concept and design, it's here. Which is exactly what you were talking about, John. Yeah. Is it horses for courses? Mm-hmm. And we are going to see that during the season. And that's the same through every single class. Yeah, brilliant. Whether yeah. it's the prototypes, all right, PC suspect class, but they will be closer at the front or further away from the front at different circuits as well. The GTLMs and the GTDs, there will be cars that are more suited. You'll hear the BMW guys moaning massively around here that they haven't got the straight line speed. Then don't have a car that's so draggy. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't, don't have a car that's so draggy. That's the answer to that. That's like that, that's like Red Bull saying, I'm sorry, we can't make our car work. Well, stop Adrian Newey designing a car that's got so much drag. It's like a barn door. You know, you're going you're gonna to look in at tracks like Long Beach, at more twisty circuits when you go to VIR. Those are circuits that will suit that car. It balances it out over the season. Yep. So let's get out there and go racing. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You were talking about the prototype challenge and, of course, being a spec category. But in the offseason, they did make a couple of little rule tweaks uh, that's going to help those cars when they're working the GT traffic. Uh, they, that was where they had a little bit of an issue because it was tough for them to clear the GTLM and the GT Daytona cars on occasion. Uh, what they've done is they've given them a new cam profile, a higher rev limit, and have eliminated ride height restrictions on that car. I mean, there's, a, there, there's obviously a minimum you can't be under, but you can run it so you can change the rake, you can change things on the car. But the bigger thing is with that slightly higher rev limit, it's only 300 more revs, but with the new cam profile, the car is a lot more explosive coming out of a corner and gets there a little bit quicker, so should be able to deal better mm. with the GT traffic. Not such a huge thing here with all the time you spend flat out on the banking, uh, but when we get to some of the other races in the season where that, that traffic factor is, uh, is really going to play on the shorter tracks, they'll be able to, to just be able to squirt through that traffic, and I think it's going to make for better racing for everybody. Around Daytona on 106.5 FM, around the world at IMSA Radio. Hello there, it's John Hindoff and the rest of the crew. Uh, Aaron Stoller, uh, good morning, Aaron has just tweeted at IMSA Radio, loving the live broadcast in Northern Virginia, arriving on Friday night. Don't forget to bring your FM radio, Aaron, so that you can uh, listen in around the circuit. We're on the pier. You can't escape from us this weekend. We have taken total control. It's it's a bit scary, actually. Relentless. You will not be able to get away. Relentless. Not be able, uh, and I tell you what, Aaron, if you haven't already booked your campgrounds or your hotels, you might be struggling because for, what is it, Thursday today, uh, certainly on the infield and even on the external parts of Turn 1 and 2 and the campgrounds there, Greg, it's busy. It's packed. I mean, they they knew that this was going to be a special one, the, the, this 53rd running of the race, obviously, and it uh, it's going to be a biggie. And the interesting thing, we, we were talking about traffic. When you take a look at the size of the entry here, even though it's down a smidge from last year, the thing is... It's about the same size entry that you have for the 24 Hours of Le Mans mm. on a track that's not even half as long. 53 entries yeah. so. we have here. But what, look, there's no field fillers. There's nothing. I'm not saying there has been in the past, but you know, I don't think I'm criticizing it. 
this is a deep field in, oh, in terms of quality. quality yeah. And the Without a doubt. the way the cars are turned out, the driving. I mean, so many guys when we were uh, hooking up with the rest of the IMSA Radio team on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so many guys that I recognise from Europe, uh, Matt Griffin's here, Andy Priol here, of course, uh, starting a, uh, another season with BMW, jumped in with the Turner boys in the IHG Rewards cards, and that's an interesting uh, programme for Andy. Andy's going to be a very busy boy, jumping backwards and forwards uh, between here uh, and Europe for the ELMS and the British Touring Car Championship as well, all in different sorts of BMWs. Three, three series, all in BMWs, but all different cars. Yeah, he's so excited. Isn't it? I bumped into him last night, uh, yesterday evening, and uh, he's so excited about the year ahead. Going to be mm. working with Dick Bennett's, as you said, with, West, uh, with WSR, used to be West Surrey Racing in the old days. Uh, Dick Bennett has been there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, 20 odd years, 20 plus years, 25 years probably. Yeah, what, talent, been going. what talent has Dick oh, had through know, his it's hands? Wonderful, isn't it? And, and Andy's so excited about getting back into a touring car and and you know, with the with the, the profile of British Touring Car Championship, and of course that team winning the championship last year with Colin Turkington, and uh, so Andy knows he's, he's going to be uh, a tough competition there, but he loves that, absolutely loves it, and he's so excited about doing the long distance races over here, and of course, as you say, uh, driving the uh, the Z4 in Europe as well, Z3 in Europe, of course, isn't it? Uh, Z3. Yes. Uh, no, I'm no, no. I'm in America. It's the uh, it's in Europe. It's a GT. It's the first time we've seen the GT E version. In, uh, in Europe, so looking forward to that. Um, so we are now, what, nine minutes in. He hasn't driven this car, by the way, yet. Uh, no, no, he hasn't driven this one. Car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian Fittipaldi has the fastest time in the, uh, in the number five. This is the Action Express Racing Mustang Sampling Corvette DP. Uh, this is the car that he shares with uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Baudet and Joao Barbosa. I still, when I see, see Zhao's name, I always think of, of Martin Short and Royal Centre, who spotted that talent very, very early on. He's got around about two tenths of a second, two and a half tenths over uh, Scott Pruitt in second position in the 0-1 car. Then Dane Cameron, Tony Canaan, Jordan Taylor, David Hennemeyer, Hansen, Martin Plowman, Jonathan Bomarito, John Edwards and Tom Kimber-Smith. That's the top ten and that's the kind of quality, Greg, that I was talking about in terms of drivers because any one of those drivers you'd be delighted to have in pretty much any series around the world. If that was the top ten of any single-seater series, any... GTs, any series, you'd be happy with that. You'd be thrilled with that, yeah. absolutely. And uh, they that's the depth we were just talking about, and that transcends even farther down when you get down into the uh, the rest of the field. I mean, you look, you know, Jonathan Edwards currently sitting quickest in the GTLM category, the young American who's the factory BMW driver. Uh, by the way, interesting that they're running the numbers here for this race. It's 40 years to the weekend that BMW made its debut, BMW North America, racing in the U.S. as part of the BMW NA marketing program and those um, unbelievable CSLs that ran uh, back in, in that race. They ran the numbers 25 and 26, so that's why the BMWs are running that here. And, uh, again, just great, you know, great line. I mean, GTLM right now, Edwards leads it. Second quick, a guy named uh, Jean-Maria Bruni, <laughs> pretty 
stealthy driver. Third in, this is interesting, in the number 17 Falcon Tire Porsche, uh, that beautiful 911 RSR, Patrick Long joining Hensler and Brian Sellers. They didn't race this last year. They didn't have the car, so this is a, a big event for them. They've been very quick. Uh, you know, Jan Magnussen sitting fourth. I mean, again, that's that depth that we're talking about. And GTLM, boy, that is the factory playground, isn't it? It is, and, you know, this is the... This is the, if you like, the where the, the OEMs, the uh, original equipment manufacturers, the factory teams, they do come and spend inordinate amounts uh, of cash uh, on racing these cars that you can see win on Sunday and go and buy on Monday. Well, you know, if you've got decent money, because, <laughs> frankly, Aston Martin, Ferrari, BMW, Porsche um, are all beyond us mere mortals although in fairness I've got a very old Porsche in the garage but so I, I, I put my hand up already and uh, declare an, an interest there uh, these cars though they are you know they are the absolute ultimate iteration of GTs mm-hmm. uh, not so very when you look at the sort of times that they are doing uh, certainly when we were looking at them at uh, Sao Paulo at the end of the WEC season last year they were turning times that were a smidge away from a GT1 time. Yeah. Oh, they've evolved. They really have, and they're remarkable. And you talked about, you know, Aston Martin. It's nice to see one of the factory Aston Martin cars here, uh, the program that's been running the full WEC. They actually have a car here for this race, and uh, they said they're, they're, they're considering. Uh, one of it will depend on how things go here and where things suss out, but they're considering maybe having a car here for the entirety of the season. That would be fantastic for the championship, and I think for international sports car do racing as Do you think they'll as, as certainly do the endurance races? That, that's what I, I mean, that's the gist that I'm hearing, is that they're, they're, they're seriously looking at that, and they said after Daytona and Sebring, you know, that's, those are the opening two rounds of that Tequila Patron North American Endurance Championship that includes Watkins Glen and then the Petit Le Mans at the end of the year. And uh, what I've been sort of hearing is that if they're looking in you know pretty good stead in terms of the points, not just for that uh, TPNAC, but for the Tudor Championship after Sebring, they might uh, take a very serious look at uh, at having that car run the full season. Don't forget later on in the week here on IMSA Radio, we will have some streaming video for you. Get used to this format because... Through the whole of the IMSA season, every session of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship will be live here on IMSA Radio. Jeremy, Greg and myself are the, uh, the best, better part of the season. Greg's going to nip off and do a couple of other things through the year, so we'll, we'll find some young talent that we can, uh, we can bring in. See if we can see if we can mind Bill Adam or somebody up to come up and join us. Uh, Jim Roller, I think, is going to come and help us as well. And not only the the United Sports Car Championship, but also the support series. This weekend, we've got the Continental Tire Series. That will be uh, live for... Uh, we're not going to always guarantee every session for the Conti Series. It will be certainly the qualifying and the race as a minimum. And also, just as a little Billy bonus for you uh, for this year, there will be streaming sound and vision live for the... Shooter United Sports Car qualifying session and the race and the Continental Ties race as well. And that will continue throughout the season. We'll have a couple of other nuggets for you as things develop through the season and we get different support series. We're going to have a bit of Porsche racing for you as well. Now we've got a red flag, our first red flag of the season, almost exactly on 15 minutes of the one hour 
session. Sun slightly in our eyes this morning, but I've got to tell you, gents, I'm actually quite pleased with the cloud cover because Brian and I were working in here yesterday, Brian Peck, our, uh, our technician, and it was like a greenhouse in here. Um, I wasn't getting <clears throat> you-know-what sprinkled on me to make me grow, but uh, I did feel a bit <laughs> like a tomato. The, um, <laughs> so I'm not quite able to see what has stopped this session. Um, I, the, there was a spinner over in uh, the... Uh, at the bus stop? Exit oh, of the okay, bus stop. There was another car spun mm. earlier on in the, in the horseshoe, too, in the uh, east horseshoe. That was the first thing. That brought out, I think it was just a station yellow, yes. but then the incident over in the bus stop uh, is what promoted this red flag. And we saw several crashes there, didn't we, during a raw test. Yes. Um, one of the cars that went off there was number 51 AF Corsa Ferrari GTD, the 458 Italia. That was crashed there very heavily by the uh, by the uh, by Francois Perodo, who's put that deal together. Um, and the car was very heavily damaged. I, I haven't been down there to see exactly what they got, whether it's a new car or what, because it was an extensively damaged, uh, extensive damage to that number 51 car at the test. And uh, several cars were off there as, as well. Uh, the biggest incident at the test there was the number 50, the uh, 50 plus. Um, DP car with the team owner there, Brian DeFore, at the wheel, and uh, there was a, a right rear tyre went down on that car, so it's kind of a slow puncture, and then um, the car swapped ends here, coming through the tri-over right below, beneath the tower here, and hit the wall, flipped upside down, it was a nasty looking shunt, but it was. remarkably, the Doran racing team of, who are running that program Kevin Doran has been around this sport a long long time <laughs> they took the car back to the base they've replaced a few of the tubes on the chassis and just about every piece of bodywork but that car back in action for this weekend as well great work by Doran Racing so our first uh, interruption to the action uh, in the 2015 season let's have a quick rundown of uh, the times as they stand at the moment it is that uh, number five action express racing DP that leads it still, but uh, the difference has been cut down to just 0 0.017 of a second, with now in second place uh, the 0-2 Chip Ganassi car, Tony Kanan in that, Scott Priority's teammate in the 0-1 in third position, and in fourth position, Dan Cameron in the 3-1, the second of the Action Express racing cars, so the two big teams really already showing their colours at their head, and separated by seven tenths, less than three quarters of a second, and within the same Second, by the way, is the uh, number 10 Conning and Minolta Corvette DP for Wayne Taylor Racing. That is a mouthful, isn't it? It's the Wayne Taylor <laughs> Racing number 10 exactly. Corvette. Is uh, how we'll be referring to that. They're all within nine tenths of a second, just short of a full second. And in sixth position, the best of the rest, if you will, Crone Racing in that lovely Leisure with the Judd engine, all running on Continental tyres, of course, the uh, DPs. Nick Johnson at the wheel of that car. And that is, that is uh, the car that has got a little bit of a break since the test. I think it's running... I think it's 40 kilos lighter than it was at the test. They looked at all the data on the car uh, and they figured out that was... That, that, that's, of course, that's the new combination for this year because the Ligier with a Honda engine, Correct. that ran towards the end of last year. So that's, that has already been equalised, if you like, as much as they, can, much as they want to mm -hmm. by, the, by the officials. But the Ligier Judd-powered car is new. The Judd engine hasn't raced in the Tudor Championship before. So that is the car they were kind of most interested in to see where it lay in relation to everything else. It's the Delta wing that's being... Uh, Toad Black oh says boy. Paul Trustwell. We'll have a chat with him in a wee while. Uh, in, it's, it's a fact, isn't it, that the, the only the, the two Mazda Lawlers 
were the only two prototypes that carried through the, the, the LMP-style prototypes that carried through from last year. The rest of the cars at the Raw were all brand new. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the Corvette DPs, although they're still running the original chassis, whether it's the Coyote or the Riley or whatever, but they've got now the new bodywork. Uh, that and follows the C7R, uh, you, know, you know, some of the styling cues. So there's been some slight aerodynamic differences yeah. that, uh, that they've had to work through. Nothing I, I, huge. I'm told, though, that in terms of the performance of the car uh, and the handling of the car and everything else, it's, it's barely affected at all. It's just a, it's a styling cue. Resume right, what, more than anything. I approve. Yeah, I exactly. thoroughly approve. Absolutely, it's and you know that really is absolutely the concept that DP was set up for all those yes, years ago. Cool. It's kind of a shame in my eyes that it's taken so long to get it to looking like that when we've only got a couple of years of it left. I mean that to yeah. me, that's absolutely the concept yeah, that DP. Great looking car. Yeah, fantastic. And, and also being towed back, it looks like down towards turn four, NASCAR banking exit thereof. It seems to me. Look, I think it's one of the HPD cars oh. number two. I believe it must be the. Uh, HPD P2 car, the brand new ARX 04B, um, and that is the car that is literally brand new. It, 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 it was here at the test. It was being, being put built. together, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> they, they didn't get it finished by the time of the test, but they did get it finished back at the shop down in South Florida uh, uh, that week, and it was at Sebring uh, for a shakedown test. I, I believe it was last weekend. So it has got a little bit of running before they come here, but I saw uh, Steve Goff from HPD uh, on, the, on the tram on the way in this morning. He said that the, the, the parts are still being delivered for that car, even as we speak. The, uh, the, they have been turned out in the traditional sponsored colours, the green and black. I have to say that running as they were in carbon with the decals on at the row, that, now there's a model that I want. That's, that's an 18th scale. And if there's a 43rd slot car, please can I have one of those as well. That looked absolutely fantastic. And it was nice to see them out there with a slightly different colour scheme. They hadn't got the wrap on it uh, at the Raw, what, a couple of weeks or so ago. Let's have a look at the GTLM times. It's Darren Turner in the 98 Aston Martin with a 214.7, who is best at the moment, from Ollie Gavin in the number four Corvette, with nothing, Greg, between them at all, hardly. A couple of tenths, not even that. Incredibly close, yeah. And, uh, actually, Turner Turner's time was it was a 145.8. That 214 was, oh, sorry, that was, was the last time me. before he came yeah. into the pits. And you're right. I mean, there's nothing, uh, not even two tenths. Back to uh, to Ollie Gavin, third, the number 24 BMW of John Edwards. Uh, then you uh, go yeah, that's back gonna, to this um, is going to be a bit of an odd one because I'm not mm-hmm. used to seeing the BMWs with 24 and 25. I know the IHG Reward Club uh, sponsored cars um, are running. It's they've always been higher numbers in the past, and that's going to take a little bit of getting used to. But there again, we've got the three three top marks. In the top three, separated by, well, you know, a blink of an eye. And John Edwards, Ollie Gavin, and Darren Turner, again, drivers who would grace any series. Absolutely. Fourth and fifth, Magnuson in the number four, uh, three Corvette, and Pat Long in the 17 Falcon Tires car, and Bruni in that number 51 uh, Ferrari. So, uh, you know, they have course entries. So, you know, very, very close there as well. Everybody was a bit worried about the performance of the Corvettes at the Raw. Danny Binks, they packed up early on Sunday morning when the sprinkles of rain came down, didn't feel they could achieve any more they had that horrible thing greg where they had a car that had a great balance but it didn't have the speed there wasn't one thing that could say ah yeah well that's not right or that's not right the drivers were said you know it's great and then you look at the stopwatch and go Ooh. yeah <laughs> uh, took went back did a lot of work they've come back and instantly on the pace this morning now there's you know hey let me put me five dollars in the chart there's a long way to go uh, even at this stage of the week it will be i think very heartening 
for the Corvette team to see them splitting the BMW and the, and the Aston even at this early stage. Absolutely. I had a, a chat yesterday with Danny Binks, and he said, I think we're okay now. He said, he's, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to, to find a couple of tweaks, and he said, I think we're going to be right in the ballpark. And again, this is a race where oftentimes it's not the outright fastest car. It's the team that executes well. And we know about Corvette racing and their ability to execute a strategy during the endurance races as we are back to green. Uh, ooh, was that close? We had about five cars wide down by pit out as everybody just fanned into position. And uh, I don't know how they didn't get away without a little bit of a tank down there, but everybody looks to have gone through. By the way, in Prototype Challenge, welcome back, Johnny Mullum, in the number 16 Bar 1 Motorsports entry. He currently has the quick time. Martin Plowman uh, in the number 61, that's the team entry, sits second right now. Bruno Junquera in the number 11 RSR entry sits in the third spot. So good for them. And in GT Daytona, it's the number 63 AF Corsa Ferrari. Uh, of last year's winners are, are in that car. Big change for them this year. Still in the Ferrari 458, but now running with, a, of course, a four, uh, again, Townsend Bell and Bill Sweetler. They brought in Jeff Siegel, who, of course, is a former winner here, former uh, Rolex GT champ, uh, to help them out, as well as uh, a couple of guys by the name of... Uh, Anthony Lazaro, you know, pretty good experience in those Ferraris. Second, number 58, Jan Halen. That's an interesting story. It's the Wright Motorsports car partnered with Dempsey Motorsports that Patrick Dempsey will, will be running and sporting the Brumos colors, which have been absent for a couple of years. So great to see that. Legendary colors. Uh, it's fantastic. It's an overused words, legend. I said this when we were, were doing our review of the, of the Royal Midweek Motorsport. Uh, it's an overused words, but as far as the Brumos colors are concerned, it, it's absolute. I mean, that... If I ever had a white Porsche, I would be very, very tempted to get those blue and red stripes on the side because there's just something very, very sexy about it. Great to see the name back just from up the road in Jacksonville here. Not so far uh, up the the 95, I guess, from, from here as we've got cars back on the track and beginning to get back up to speed. You're listening to IMSA Radio live from Daytona International Speedway. It is the 2015 IMSA season. And we've got the United Sports Car Championship on the track at the moment for their first free practice session, interrupted by a couple of cars that needed pulling from the circuit on the far side there. And we're seeing reasonable times already down in the 140s. 141.7 for the top two at the moment, being the Action Express and uh, the Chip Ganassi DPs. And expect to see them come down. As we said right at the very start, there will be a a level of getting through the workload. But by the same token, there's a bit of bragging rights to go. (laughs) And uh, we've got night practice tonight, which is far from perfunctory. It's something, yes, you have to do it, but you want to make sure that everything's set up the way you want it to. It's not dark round here, so it's not a question of getting your headlights to spot the curbs and things like that. But if you've got drivers who aren't quite used to driving in the dark, and certainly if they haven't driven here before you want to get them out and get them to feel comfortable Craig well you have to I mean you spend so much time in in night you know racing here it's the exact opposite of of Le Mans where you're talking some of the shortest hours 20 something minutes exactly it's a bizarre coincidence this year that the Dubai 24 and the Daytona 24 because of the difference in longitude and latitude have exactly the same time between sunset and sunrise and so they've they are absolutely to the minute tied for the longest amount of nighttime darkness racing uh, of 2015 so it, it, you're right 
it's more than half the race that is run in dark darkening or starting to get light it's a it is a it's a it's a tough old night as well because you you know you do six hours seven hours maybe at Le Mans you've got almost twice that here Jeremy yeah that is the biggest difference here between between this track uh, and Le Mans uh, is is that is that the, the, the amount of time spent in darkness and uh, the, there is certainly a lot more lighting here these days than there used to be I mean back in the old days where even you know, when I first came here or even you know not that long ago even there was not nearly as much the track is lit was lit as it is now so most of the track now uh, is is at least at least partially lit yeah 13 hours and 21 minutes Paul Truswell informs me uh, yeah. is the uh, sunset yeah, it, sunrise it's, it's almost I mean the whole track is pretty much lit now so yeah. it's, a, it's a different prospect to what it was several years ago but certainly it is very tiring mentally around here I mean you you flat out around the banking uh, and you've really got to sort of you, 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 when you're going around the bank in these cars, you're just look, kind of looking at the top left-hand uh, portion of the windscreen to see out, see what's ahead of you. It's it's mentally quite difficult here. For those of you who follow such things, it's uh, 17.56 sunset on Saturday, 7.17 sunrise. At Dubai, by the way, exactly the same, 13.21, but it was 17.46 sunset to 7.06. Just slightly different where you are in the world, but comes up with 13 hours, 21 21 minutes. Tom, I'm going around the banking here. If you've never been here before, it's impossible for me to explain just how high and how steep that banking is. And remembering back to the 1970s, <clears throat> those of us who were old enough to remember that, none of us here, of course, we've been told by people like Joe Bradley that uh, back in the 1970s, <laughs> there was a 917. 1870s? Yeah, 1870s. Yes. Yeah, yep. Bradley was around, yep. around there. Yep. Um, the, uh, we, we, there was a 917 that won here that was unique in the fact that it had... A skylight at the front of the windscreen, above the windscreen, for that reason. That people were looking through that and spotting round the banking, Greg. I've actually sat in that car many years ago when it was down at Kevin Jeanette's, uh, getting some tender love and affection. And it, it is quite amazing how far you've got to look round the banking because you use three and four on the speedway exactly as the stock cars do. Absolutely, and, and first time I ever raced on a super speedway using an infield track, after a couple of laps I had to come in and the sun visor that was across mm. the top of the windshield on my car, I had to have them cut out the left third Good point. because I could not see far enough upstream because the banking is so steep. And a great way to kind of give an idea of how steep the banking is here once you're full into it is stand upright and put your hand out and draw a line from your extended hand down to your feet. Mm -hmm. That's basically the level of banking. I mean, you know, within a few degrees, but that gives you an idea of just how steep that banking is here. And uh, once you come out of the uh, the turn six, which is the last sort of little hairpin that bleeds you back up into the run into what they call speedway one and two all the way around, uh, it is it is foreboding the level of banking uh, and if you if you are here for the race weekend before the start you can you can uh, walk across the track from the grandstand onto the uh, 
the grid area, and then uh, when you do that, and then you come back again you know, to take your to take your place in the grandstand for the start, you can walk up the trioval banking here, and that's pretty steep. But it's only half as steep exactly. as, the, as the banking in in NASCAR's one and two and three and four. So I have in my mind forty forty three degrees, which may be wrong because that is in my mind, yeah. and I'm not looking at a piece of paper there. But it's something like that. It's it's bonkers amount, and if you've ever done the tour here at Daytona, um, and driven round on the on the little train and you just think nah that is completely bonkers and i think about watching the and you're a bike man as well greg watching the 200 round oh. here and the bikes in fact i was just watching a, a barry shane documentary the other day on the bbc which i thoroughly enjoyed i'd forgotten about what those big banger bikes were like round here and it's mad in a car. It's completely bonkers on a motorcycle. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it, it, it and the speeds, like, you know, as you're talking about, they run, they don't run this configuration. No. They have a different one, but still, you know, the speeds that they achieve are absolutely ridiculous. And then think about that, you know, they've, I used to have a big go-kart weekend here that they still have, yeah. but back in the day of what they called the supercarts, Anthony Lazaro told me that he was clocked at 157 miles an hour down the backstretch in a go-kart. Well, I remember... So, I mean, that's just how insane this You were at Master Race with Laguna Seca with me, I think. The, the year that they had the, the supercarts there, and Martin Hines, God rest his soul, uh, was, had come over to have a go. And the fastest time for the 250 shifter cards, the supercarts, I think would have put in it the, the, I don't know... Sixth row of the ELMS group or something like that. There was yeah. quickest GT1 cars. Very silly. The middle of the <laughs> GT1 field. It very, was very quite silly. bizarre. Jeremy, what you got? Well, no, I was just going to say that you were talking about the banking here. It's, it's 18 degrees through the trival, 31 degrees. 31 degrees, yeah, okay. which is uh, that's, that's steep. Yeah, when, you, when you've got to walk up that, it's not easy. In fact, it's almost impossible <laughs> without crampons and uh, all the and sherpas. We tried to do a little stand-up thing years ago for the uh, the speed broadcast when it was the Speed Network, and uh, they had us, you know, standing there on on that. And it was it was so difficult to just try and stand. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's incredible just how steep it is. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to you know mention this. We're talking about AOP and all of that. The other wrench that gets thrown into it is because this is such a unique track. The AOP that's set up for this race is basically when this race is done, it's thrown out the window, and then they go back to the more standard AOP for the rest of the season because of the uniqueness of this track. For instance, here, you know, at, you know last year after this race, all of the DP-derived cars ran a big diffuser, very aggressive uh, work on the front of the car to get that extra downforce to bring them up to sort of a level of the P2 cars. Well, last year, the P2 cars here did not run the Le Mans, the low downforce setup. Well, this year, they now have it set up where the uh, DP-derived cars do not run the diffuser here. They're running a very low downforce setup. The P2 cars are running a Le Mans-derived low downforce setup. And so a lot of the AOP that you know we're going to be talking about is strictly for this event. Once this is done, then they revert to what will be the AOP for the rest of the season. So it's just it's such an interesting animal here. So we're just over half distance. Uh, we haven't talked about the PC guys. It's Bruno Jonquera uh, sitting on top of the times at the moment. He's in 11th position as Shane Lewis has just gone uh, quicker. That's a change in position overall, but not for uh, the P2 
PC car. In fact, now Gustavo Menezes has got in that car. Tom Kibber-Smith in the 52 in second place. And Steve Simpson. Uh, Stephen Simpson. If that's the same Stephen Simpson as I think it is, I used to commentate on him in Formula Renault in the UK. I believe it is. I always used to run a black car, number seven. Uh, He's... Dad so works in the industry as well. Renger van der Zander in the eight car in fourth position. And they are separated by, what's the top time? 43.9 to 44.2 is that. Sorry, we've got a bit of reflection on, right. the, uh, on the screen at the moment because beautifully the sun has come out and shining on the righteous of the uh, IMSA paddock and racetrack at the moment. Uh, it's, it's BMW now that leads GTLM with Bill Oberland uh, installed in the 25 RLL BMW. Jan Magnussen is second now in the number three Chevy Corvette. Stefan Mucker has replaced his longtime teammate Darren Turner in the 98 Aston Martin, which has dropped down to third. Remember, they had the speed early on. Uh, Giancarlo Fisichella is in the Risi Competizione Ferrari, the 62 car in fourth position, and John Edwards in the second of the BMWs, the 24 car in fifth position. Then it's Ollie Gavin. Brian Sellers now uh, in the 17 Falcon Tires. Porsche, big year for them, I think, this year. Yep. Uh, Francois Perotto, welcome uh, to him in the 51 GTLM Ferrari. And by the way, I sort of skipped through there, but we saw Dave Sims this morning, Biggie, uh, the long-time uh, team manager of uh, Reese. Great to see, gentlemen, Reese back in the series for what we believe will be a full season of the uh, Premier Endurance Series here in the States. Boy, they endured a year from hell, literally, last year. I mean, it, if, it, if it could go wrong for that team, it did. And, I mean, the, the, the uh, exclamation point on how bad it was was that pit lane oh, yeah. incident that took them out, and they had a very competitive car at the Petit Le Mans. Stopped at the was, red light, and the, the guy behind him just was adjusting his belts, not looking. Boom, <laughs> another car collects them. They were out on the spot. Ironically, the other two were able to get fixed and eventually continue. So it was that kind of a year, and I think Giuseppe said, no, we, you know, we have to come back and, and show what we can do. And the report is, is that uh, Giancarlo Fisichella and Pierre Kaffer will be the season-long drivers going for the championship in this one. And, you know, you take a look at the achievements that, that the recent Competizione car has had uh, on the global endurance stage, their wins at Le Mans, their wins at Petit, their wins at Sebring. Obviously, when the two series were separated, they didn't have a chance to do much here uh, at Daytona. And I know this is one that is very, very important to that team. And as you said, uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's a... A great team to have in the paddock, and uh, if you're fortunate enough to get invited to their hospitality for lunch, there's some good pasta happening in that one. You see, I, I wondered how long it would take for us to get talking about food. We are very fortunate uh, that we uh, are being looked after by Marion down in the paddock, which is, uh, I think Marion's, actually, we've been trying to get Marion for many, many years yeah. to write a book. Because she knows Boy, everything yeah. about everything. Um, but the, the breakfast this morning was outstanding. And uh, had the team meeting down there. Thank you, Marion. And uh, to the rest of the team as well. All doing their usual sterling work. 106.5 around the circuit. 454 on the scanner. Thanks to Racing Radios for providing us the equipment for that. Which is humming away gently behind me. Uh, it's not hot because the fan's not on it yet. But, uh, <laughs> Steady. I changed my socks this morning, really, I did. Um, ah, <laughs> and around the world at IMSA Radio, of course. Thanks for joining us. We'll have some uh, sound and vision tomorrow when we've got 
qualifying for this series. It's a free practice one at the moment. And we've got the Continental Tyres sports car race as well. And that will be uh, streamed on, in Sound and Vision in its entirety uh, as well. So you should be able to uh, log into that if you're not here at the circuit. If you're not in the, here and you're within, I don't know, three, four hours journey, then you should be. Shame because this is, yeah. this is, this is the, another, once again, another season that just has so much potential. Uh, Aussie Negri Jr. Osvaldo yeah, we have Negri a Jr. up top right now. Yeah. Oh, man, how excited are those guys about <laughs> that car? We, they were here at the test and they said, you know, it feel, still feels like Christmas for us. They just love, <laughs> love driving this, uh, this Ligier with, with the Honda engine. It is the same car that was run over here the, the last couple of races of last year by Oak Racing. Same chassis, but new, of course, to the team. And, you know, that team, Michael Shank Racing, Dale Wise, the engineer there, uh, and, uh, you know, Michael... Uh, based in the Columbus, Ohio area, been around this this uh, this form of racing now for a long, long time. But a pretty accomplished driver in his in his own right in in the Toyota Atlantic yeah, days. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, moved into team ownership. Really good little operation down there. But they're all enjoying this car. The the crew works enjoys working on the car. The drivers absolutely love driving it. And what's interesting to me is talking to John Pugh, uh, the uh, you know self-professed gentleman driver he doesn't make his living uh, out of driving racing cars but he feels so much more comfortable in this car than it did than he did in the previous dp cars he oh, was really? driving he just says it just gives me more confidence john's done a lot of driving in open wheel cars in the old star master series now the uh, pro master championship presented by cooper tars that races now as part of the master road to indy but uh john uh, like i said coming from the open wheel ranks he just feels like with this p2 car it's got a lot of downforce it feels more like the open wheel cars with which he was familiar for so many years, and he said it's much. It seems to be much easier for me. That's interesting. Uh, to to yeah. be closer to the pace to Aussie Negri and AJ Ominiger than with uh, the other, uh, with the DP car that, as, as you talked about earlier on, makes its speed in a very different way. And that's inter- and this is the car that we're calling C three PO because of its colour scheme. Uh, it is very <laughs> distinctive, isn't it? Indeed, and it you know, to change colour depending on where you are and where the sun is and everything else. It, it is gorgeous. Car. We're not going to miss that one, are we? That, there's, you know, always complain about too many white Porsches or, or whatever, but uh, we're not we're not going to miss that one certainly. And and you know, Michael Shank. Again, we've talked about this. If you haven't listened to the programmes from the Raw, they're still available on RadioLamont.com on the, uh, on the archive there. Uh, and also the, the wrap-up as well that uh, the Jim Roller uh, did with us on Midweek Motorsport uh, What last week, last Wednesday. That's all available for you. Michael Shank, big proponent of GP, fought the good fight for GP all the way through, has now made what he describes, Greg, as a solid business decision, has jumped into DP now before he had no choice when... Yep. Uh, jumped into LMP2 rather before he had no choice when DPs were phased out and says quite openly hey you know I did what I needed to do when I was running a DP now I've got to get my head down learn these cars and get ourselves competitive and my goodness me they're competitive already oh they are and they've, they've you know obviously they've, they've had a lot of support from Onroke who uh, is the Onroke Automotive the the uh, designer and builder of those Ligier chassis. They've been working well with them. Uh, and, you know, one of the great things for that team, too, is having Osnegri. Uh, one, he's an amazing coach. I mean, the guy is is something else working with John Pugh. And John will tell you, he said, having Oz there uh, has just been superb. But Oz also as a development driver and, you know, what he can feel, what he knows, and, you know, what he can bring out of that car. And I think you're right, looking, you know, down the road, the big picture of things, uh, 
you know, Mike Shank Racing, they said, we want to do something that's different. We want to stand out. We want to really go after it and get serious about this. Looked at it, and this car is running the HPD engine as well, which is a very well-tried-and-true engine. It's run a lot, obviously, globally. Mm. So as a package... You know, I think they're in pretty good stead, and it doesn't hurt to have AJ on board either. He's it, it relatively does, does quick. It? Yeah, we took, yeah, John Plew telling us how, how much this car makes him you know, hark back to his to his open wheel days, and same for Ozzy Negri. He said it feels more like an F3 car. It's much lighter than the DP car, mm-hmm. and, and it has a lot of downforce through the corners. And he's absolutely loving it. But that's interesting you say that because so many times when we see young drivers coming into the prototype ranks in Europe, gentlemen, they are coming from. Formula Renault 3.5 from F3, and they immediately get the downforce, the balance, the driving style of the P2 type of car. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I think that's where the next set of, of P1 drivers and professional prototype drivers are coming from. Not necessarily. There will always be people promoted up from the ranks from, from PC or whatever takes over from PC. LMP3 we've got in Europe coming to the States, I'm sure, fairly so- shortly as well. But those guys, they hit. And Jeremy, you know all about this with Team USA. You know, you identify talent. Generally speaking, they're looking for an open wheel career. They get to a certain level, and how many of them get stalled? Not because they haven't got the talent, because they haven't got the finances to go on, and they need to look for something else. And, and P2 is a, a really good career choice for them. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. And uh, it, it's, it's certainly you know, opening up more doors for young drivers, I think, these days. It's, it's great to see. I mean, you talked about Team USA Scholarship. We've got nine drivers in this race, which is kind of cool. Uh, and another one on the, on the, uh, on the sidelines, well, Connor Daly, I saw yesterday, he hasn't got a ride, but he's, uh, he's still hopeful. Um, what is Connor uh, doing? He's got nothing this year. Nothing yet, but he is going to test next week with, uh, with Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports in the IndyCar. Uh, and uh, I know J- he's, he's big buddies with James Hinchcliffe, and Hinch is driving for that team this year. He switched across to Mandrelli Autosport, and, and Hinch is certainly pushing uh, for, for Connor to be part of that team. Um, and uh, Connor, for, for Connor Daly, is, he's just looking forward to getting into a car, showing what he can do. He'd love to be racing in the Verizon IndyCar Series full season long, but he'd love also to be driving here as well. And, you know, there are opportunities. It's just a question of opening those doors and finding those opportunities. But he's going to drive the car, the IndyCar, next week. I believe it's at Sebring, and then he'll take it on from there be an absolute uh, waste of talent if he didn't get something uh, to do a fine young man and clearly still has a lot to offer uh, it's that 60 car still leading out Mike Shank racing car from Sebastian Bordier now in the Action Express number 5 in second the 57 has bounced up as well this is another uh, new car the Crone Racing Ligier with the Judd engine, Ollie Pla, Nick Johnson, Alex Brundle, and Tracy Crone. Not a bad driver lineup there, in all honesty. Interesting to see how Tracy gets on with this car. He's determined that he wants to stay in the series. He's dabbled in the past, obviously, with, uh, with prototype, with DPs here. He certainly has, uh, when he concentrates and does what he needs to do, he's been a... Uh, an adequate, more than adequate gentleman driver in, in the GT categories. Be interesting to see how he gets on with this car, Jeremy. Yes, and, and whether it suits him in the same way as it suits John Pugh. Uh, you know, John Pugh, like I said, he came out of, uh, out of uh, 
uh, Star Mazda, Pro Mazda, whereas Tracy has done most of his uh, driving in sedans or, mm. or, 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 or prototype cars. So he doesn't have the same sort of background experience that John has. But, you know, he has driven prototypes before and, and quite a lot. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he's... He was a big guy, though, uh, isn't he, uh, Tracy Cronin? For him to get in that little... Lit- a lot of room. And that's one of the things actually that the uh, Michael Shank uh, racing drivers were saying is their driver changes are a lot slower than they were in a DP car. That's partially due to familiarity. I think they were telling me that they, they normally had their, they had their driver changes in the DP car down to about, I think, about 20, 21 seconds wow. they could get one driver out and the next driver in. This car at the Raw, it was, it was about almost twice that. Yeah, I believe it. So, uh, because it's a, it's a much smaller opening, it's a much smaller car to get into. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. That's one thing they're going to be wor- have been working hard on this last week or so to try and get those driver changes. And that's still kind of within the window of the f- of the refueling of the car, but only just. It doesn't give them any leeway at all. So if it, if, it, if everything doesn't go completely perfectly in the driver change it driver changeover, then it is potentially going to cost them some time on the racetrack. That, of course, they do not want. Yeah, we'll go through some of the differences uh, as we go through the week in terms of what you're used to seeing and hearing us talking about when we're talking about European and World Championship sports car racing. The biggest one, as far as pit stops is concerned, uh, is that the engines don't need to be stopped here and you can uh, basically do everything all at the same time. Whereas at Le Mans, as you know, you can fuel and you can tyre, or you can tyre rather, you can't do them. You can change the driver, but you can't do fuels and tyres at the same time. And plus, you've got to stop the engine and restart it. That's that's not the case here. So the, any advantage of people who can make uh, any of the, the tyre manufacturers, uh, Continental, obviously, in the, in the prototype class or uh, the uh, any of the other manufacturers' products, go longer, you don't have that advantage here. So you might as well just set, throw a brand new set of tyres on every time because there should be, as Jeremy was explaining, there should be enough time to do that whilst you fuel and, if necessary, change your driver. It's a different mindset that some of the European teams will have to get their heads around. Yeah. The penalty, of course, for putting new tyres on, Greg, is they're not warm. And you, we're not allowed tyre black blankets. You can warm them a little bit in the cabinets. But particularly here, I remember back in 12 when we first covered this race, when we did the first flag-to-flag coverage, that your outlap might be five or six seconds off the pace. Absolutely. And you take that to the extreme in the middle of the night when it's at its coldest, and you could be down into the 40 degree, you know, mm. 40, 45 degrees, and you put on that new set of tires that isn't already warm, that those next couple of laps are, are just like racing in the wet. I mean, it is that slippery, and uh, so that's something they're going to do everything they can. If they can, and that's going to be the main reason you talked about, you could put a set of tires on every stop because of how the pit stop regulations are different here, but sometimes if you, if you can double stint a set of tires, you'll do it just to save that amount of time on the outlap that you would lose by having a fresh set of much colder tires for those first couple of laps. It's all part of that strategy mm-hmm. play that's interesting. And another, th- a, a change in the regulations regarding the pit stops, you'd think it's minor, but the team s- said we're, we've been so used to how it's been. The bungee cords that they would have on the upper parts of the belt, so you'd see the driver mm-hmm. when they'd release the belt coming go in, them. they'd just pop up. They've been outlawed. Ah. So bungee cords are still allowed for the lower belt to pull that away. Mm-hmm. But what they said they were seeing on occasion was in the haste to get out, you know. Uh, and again, now you're talking about with this 
type of uh, pit stop rules where you're doing everything at once. So it's all about that speed. It's not all right. We're you know while the driver changed, they could take their time because we still have tires to do, et cetera. Now with it happening at once, they were seeing instances where the drivers, in their haste to get out with the bungee cords, they actually wouldn't quite have them clicked into the multi-lock system, and sometimes one of those shoulder belts would pop Ding. up, which then unhooks the, the Hans. Hans device. Then they try and fix it. They'd get underneath the Hans collar. Yeah. Now the Hans doesn't work. Yeah. So they said... And nope. having the Hans on so, with it not being fastened properly is is actually worse than yeah, it is. Absolutely it is. It, it, it's it's yeah. very, very, uh, very, very uncomfortable. Hello to Pitbull Tirani, who's listening in uh, at the moment. Uh, says, uh, great to have you back. Looks like a, a new racing year has started. At IMSA Radio, Money Elysium is going to be joining us at the track tonight. Hello, Money. Good to hear that you'll be here. Don't forget, 106.5 around the circuit. Scanner frequency, 454. Into the last 10 minutes, gentlemen. Are we seeing what we expected to see? A 39 First by Osnegri. That's, that, that's, that's pretty decent pedalling, chaps. It is, and uh, 39.1 was the quickest time here in the uh, in the test, the raw test a couple of weeks ago. 39.6 there for Oz Negri, so you're getting down to the sort of times. Uh, we saw the uh, Aussie's best time at the test of 139.3. Uh, the quickest time in test, like, uh, Greg was talking a little while ago, was set by Jordan Taylor in the, the Dallara, the Conakin Minolta car of Wayne Taylor Racing, at kind of a 10 or 39.18. Second fastest was Sebastian Bourdais in the car that's been quickest for a goodly part of this session, the Act- Action Express Coyote Dallara DP car. That was a 39.3. And both Aussie Negri and Joey Hand in the 01 car for. Uh, Chip Ganassi racing with Felix Sabatis. That is the Riley chassis with a Ford EcoBoost turbo engine. That also at a 139.3. That's interesting, too, you know, talking about Joey Hand. He is going to be the full-season driver paired with Scott Pruitt uh, as, they, as they go through the year. Of course, he'd been running as a factory BMW pilot in DTM the last couple of years. Uh, he now uh, is making that change. He'll be running with the Chip Ganassi racing with Felix Sabatis' team all season long paired with Scott Pruitt. That's we talked about earlier, Memo Rojas now mm. running with the Delta Wing, so that's a big development. Uh, another one, too, is the fact that the number 31 car, which ran with Marsh Racing uh, as uh, an entrant in the, uh, the uh, prototype ranks last year, has now joined and is the second car that will be running full season out of the Action Express team. So it's an interesting development. It's still the wheel and sponsorship with Team Fox on board as well. And uh, the driver lineup for the season, Eric Kern, who, of course, was one of the drivers last year, has been with Whelan forever. He is paired up with the reigning GT Daytona champion, Dane Cameron, for the year. And, uh, you know, obviously with the resource of Action Express Racing, uh, I mean, Kern is just over the moon, you know, thinking about all the potential there. So there's been some neat developments in the in the, uh, in the the prototype ranks, and we're looking forward to it. Prototype challenge right now, the number 52, the PR1 Matheson Motorsport car, Andrew Novich driving it right now, sits atop the PC order at a 143.47. Colin Brown, they'd been well down for a while. Colin Brown uh, got behind the wheel of the number 54 Flexbox Composite Resources machine, sits second at a 43.62. Third, Jack Hawksworth in the car that Bruno Junquera had hauled up in the number 11 RSR entry at a 43.9. Then Philippe Albuquerque in the number 8 machine. Uh, I think that's the uh, Starworks entry, the Martini-sponsored car. And then rounding it out, the number 85, the car that Steven Simpson had set that 144-1 in. Rusty Mitchell now on board that car. 
Um, should also mention, by the way, it is a proper race here because we do have an EF Corsa Ferrari here. That is the <laughs> Barodo, Collard, Bruni and Vlander. That's just a little in-joke for our uh, European listeners. They always worry if uh, a Marto Ferrari team aren't <laughs> around because uh, it's almost written into the supplementary regs of most GT classes that you have to have at least one EF or EF run car. Into the pits has just come the number 17, Falcon uh, Porsche. In its uh, resplendent, in its now very well-known colour scheme, the tail blue and green. And that's just getting a little service at the moment. That car in GT... Oh, it's actually outside the top eight. Uh, in, no, it's not. It's in seventh position. Just popped up there. Uh, Wolf Hens, the last uh, time before he came into the pit, did a 45-8-2-8. And he's just been dumped into eighth position, actually. As who just improved there? That would have been Giancarlo Fisichella, I think. Nick Tandy in the 911 Porsche. It is a 911, of course, as well. In sixth position. Fifth is Matthias Lauda in the 98. I was waiting for someone to say Lauda. And I would have went, Matthias Lauda! <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm just turning back the clock here. Magnussen, Lauda, out there together. Uh, it's, this is all... St- and Fizzy Keller's still in there. How must Giancarlo feel when he sees Lauda and Magnussen second generation uh, dri- driving, <laughs> driving in this? Uh, Jimmy Bruni in third. Second in the GTLM is Tommy Milner in the number four Corvette and still at 20, 25 BMW uh, of Bill Orbelin that uh, leads them out. Yeah, so I don't want to hear the bleating from uh, BMW. Yeah, no, it's, we're, we're down on straight line speed, Jeremy. <laughs> I think that's what you... It didn't happen like this in the simulator is what they'll be seeing now. <laughs> yeah, 144.990, that time set uh, by uh, Bill Orban a while ago. He, the best time in the test in the GTLM ranks was 144.3. That was by the number 912 Porsche 911 RSR. So... Um, yeah, not far. Uh, what, was it, what was the time? I said 43, 44.3 as against the 44.9 that Bill Orblin has set now. And uh, the quickest car, quickest time by that car, by the well, by the BMW, as was the number 25 car at the test, a 144.768. That's the car that we shared, of course, uh, Bill Orblin with uh, Dirk Werner, Augusto Farfus, and uh, Bruno Spengler as well, making his debut in this event. I, I, I've often wondered why Bruno hasn't stepped across. Yeah. He's been a champion in DTM, of course. This is his first real foray into um, this type of racing. He's done, obviously, he's done stuff in the Nürburgring uh, before. But a very nice guy, very, very good peddler as well. I think he'd, I think he'd do well. Yeah, another course, another guy with uh, with his roots in open wheel racing, but you know, really made a name for himself in the sports cars. You said you know, winning the DTM. Um, and uh, you know, last year was a bit of a disastrous year. So he seems to, for, for Bruno, it seems to go sort of odd year, good years and bad years, doesn't it? Odd, odds and evens. Maybe. Having a chat with some people last night, actually, about DTM and why it's very difficult to ever look at a single year and kind of be able to extrapolate anything out of it. Yeah. Because Spengler wins the championship and then is nowhere. Well, clearly he hasn't forgotten how to <laughs> drive. And that's happened before as well. Um, Paul DeResta had a couple of good seasons. Jamie Green had a couple of t- good seasons. Some of the Audi guys. It almost seems as like there's no rhyme or reason no. in, in DTM. And you can't say, oh, well, he was 33rd in the championship last year because the next year he could win it and the year after he could be back down to 10th again. Bizarre, it's, it? it's a really, it's a, it's a championship that, that I watch and I kind of sometimes don't understand it because 
the performances race to race and certainly season to season do not seem to have any kind of consistency. And I don't mean that as a bad thing on the driver. I just think that he's almost rolling the dice. It's really an interesting yeah, championship. Really strange. I mean, unlike any other championship that I can think of in no, that no, respect. Uh, yes, absolutely. Agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're down to the last uh, minute or so. You're listening uh, to IMSA Radio, live from Daytona International Speedway. Continued coverage throughout this, uh, our first day of broadcasting on the new service. Uh, so all of the uh, upcoming track events will be broadcasting here. Uh, we'll swap out some of the talent uh, through the day so you hear some different uh, voices and uh, it'll be uh, Johnny and Shea next with the Ferrari Challenge but uh, stay with us all the day there's no need to go anywhere else 106.5 FM around the track we've been talking about the three classes the faster of the classes if you will but there is the fourth class here is the biggest in terms of mm. sheer number which is gt daytona and is generating a fair amount of of interest this year again very very deep and just to give you an idea of who's doing what here in this first session fastest right now is the number 44 Flexbox magnus racing porsche uh john potter of course andy lally in that number 44 machine they're currently quickest the second place car the number 63a of course of ferrari uh contains the driver line Lineup that was the defending winners here last year in uh, Bill Sweetler, Townsend Bell, Jeff Siegel, along with Anthony Lazaro. They're second. That's the number 63. Third, the number 22, uh, Alex Job Racing WeatherTech Porsche. Andrew Davis uh, has joined that team for the four endurance rounds, part of the Tequila Patrol North American Endurance Championship. He has the number 22 and third. Fourth is the number 007, Aston Martin, the beautiful V12, I think my favorite sounding car here, uh, the Aston Martin Vantage, in the hands right now of Christopher Nygaard, and uh, that car, uh, full season long, uh, uh, Christina Nielsen has been announced as one of the key drivers in that car, so that's great to see. Uh, and in the fifth spot right now, one of the two Riley Motorsports uh TI Automotive and uh, Viper Exchange, uh, the big, beautiful Dodge Viper SRTs, the number 33, Ben Keating, that he'll be sharing again with Jerome Bleak and Mullen, two-time winners last season when they ran the one car. They're also running the number 93, and that car currently sits in the sixth spot, Jeremy. Yeah, those two uh, nose to tail there on the timing sheets, and Ben Keating shown us setting that time in that number 33 car, so good for Ben. He is... He's uh, really become a well, very, very quick shoe. Yeah, a lot of experience, particularly in Vipers. Yeah. You know, he's a ViperExchange.com, and he's been driving Vipers in, in a whole bunch of different series for many, many years. So very familiar with that car. Did a pretty good job last year because he got a real shoe alongside him with uh, Jerome Blakemol. and could be in the whole season once again. That car certainly is going to be a contender this year. And good to see they're running two cars here this weekend, at least as well. Well, it's nice because, of course, with the demise of the, uh, the SRT team in GTLM, that left the defending class champion, Kuno Whitmer, Rideless, Dominic Farnbacher, Mark Goosens, you know, all of those guys. Yeah, well, they're in this program. There's, there's a, a, they're assigned to both the 33 and the 93, so it's nice to, you know, you've got Kuno, who's the defending class champion, GTLM, at least has a ride for Daytona, which is yeah. a nice thing. But that's all yeah. he has so far. Exactly. Moment, which is, I, 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 was, I must admit I was very disappointed with the way that uh, SRT handled uh, that uh, demise of that program towards the end of last year they get the drivers virtually no notice whatsoever uh and then of course they you know they split up the two guys jonathan bomberito and kuno whitmer who've been driving that car together all season long they split them up for the final race so it ended up with just kuno as the champion um greatly deserved absolutely but jonathan bomberito should have been in that car as well for that final race i thought that was 
I didn't agree with with how they handled that. It was an interesting explanation on their strategy play for that, but it didn't. Particularly with the way the points were, exactly. Chances of not winning it together were pretty slim, and. I don't think that was the right thing to do. I think we've wrapped this session up, it. haven't we, John? That was fun. It was. An hour of my life has just disappeared without trace, as if uh, you'd pulled the plug from a plug hole full of uh, of water, from a, <laughs> a bath full of water. It has disappeared so quickly indeed. And uh, it does leave then that Michael Shank racing uh, the... C-3PO coloured car on top, the number 60, with the 139.6, the only car within 100 seconds around Daytona in this first free practice session for the Tudor Championship. Uh, it is the Action Express car in second, uh, in third, that's the uh, the number five car, in third, the 0-1 Chip Ganassi car, and then the Crone Racing car right in amongst it, ahead of the Wayne Taylor Racing car, the second of the Chip Ganassis, and then the uh, the 90 car sneaking up there with Richard Westbrook later on in the session uh, in the seventh position. Jeremy, some uh, thoughts uh, off of that uh, first session. In the, uh, about, um, we've got a couple of minutes to, to film. Yeah, very, very interesting, wasn't it? And the car that completed most laps in that session was the 0-2 car for the uh, Chip Ganassi team. Uh, Scott Dixon, Tony Kanaan, uh, Kyle Larson, and Jamie McMurray driving that car. 26 laps completed by that zero, by the number two car, uh, in that, that first session. Greg, your thoughts. I just good battling PC, good battling GTLM, good battling GTD as well, of course, as we kind of expect. Exactly. That's that's what I'm very excited about. Is just the 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 apparent parity here uh, between these cars and all these different classes. You were talking about variety being the spice of life. If you take a look at at at, at prototype, you know. How things have changed in the last, let's say, three or four years uh, with the merger and the like. Now, uh, you know, obviously, last year you had you know the V8s up against the uh, the uh, P2 cars, but now you've got within the DP derived cars, you've got BMW V8s, you've got Chevrolet V8s, you've got Ford EcoBoost 3.5 turbo V6s. And then in the P2 cars, you've got a Judd, you've got the HPD turbos. There is such great variety here, and yet it is very, very close indeed. And I think uh, I, I think we're going to be in for a pretty spectacular uh, few days and a great 24 hours. Two cars having problems in that session, the, the Zero car, the Delta Wing, and the number one HPD of the Tequila Patron AS, ESM team. Those cars just competed one lap between the two of them. So hopefully those problems can be rectified in time for the next practice session. Perfect. Jeremy Shaw and Greg Kramer with me, John Heindorf. Uh, that's the team that you'll hear for the most part of the season. But because it's Daytona, we've got more people to talk to you uh, throughout the morning here at Daytona. It's Ferrari's next. Uh, and we'll be back in about uh, two and three quarter hours with more action here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.